1: Six fifty-three.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka.
1: This
2: is Pure Opelka
0: with Mike Opelka,
2: only on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh, boy,
3: boy, oh, boy, oh, boy! Oh. It is. It is eleven o'clock here in Texas. It's noontime on the East Coast, where I usually, usually, I'm ensconced in the constitutionally protected free speech bunker in the woods of Arden, Delaware. Today, I'm, I'm not so. I am in, in the Blaze Studios at the mothership, as it were. And it truly is a beehive here. I haven't been here doing anything in production for quite some time. And they made some changes. They actually cleared out Jeffy's nest. Jeffy had a nest here. And, and Shemad can't see it. A lot of the crew here can't see it. Clint can't see it. But there used to actually be like this weird man cave that Jeffy occupied. And I think it's, I think it's either in the room that Shemad's in right now or the next one over. And I think, I think they actually had to bring in some sort of a historical preservation group to take all of the stuff out and box it up and catalog it and make sure that it was kept for posterity. But that's a, that's a story for another day. We'll get to it. There's breaking news today as we get out. Uh, there is um, a terror attack. He had another terror attack. And this one was in Paris just before, I think, about 10 o'clock this morning. Police in Paris shot a guy who took a hammer to a cop. Now, here's the strange thing. This man reportedly came up to the two police officers and he had a backpack. And he reached into the backpack and pulled out a hammer and started attacking one of the cops. He did hit one of the gendarmes. And the other cop pulled out his gun and shot him. He's not dead, they kept him on the ground on the scene for quite some time. Uh, The the medical crew was trying to uh, keep the guy alive, I guess, so they could question him. But this is a hammer-wielding attacker. I guess there's a good thing here as well as a bad thing here because they've tightened down in Paris and in London. These guys can't get their hands on bombs and hopefully they can't get their hands on guns, but they are going to uh, more simpler methods as prescribed by ISIS as well. Using a hammer, using a knife, using a car, the terror, and it appears to be a lone terrorist in this, in this situation, has now got Paris on lockdown. The cathedral at Notre Dame also had uh, cops going in there and trying to make sure there was nothing going on there. And there are pictures coming out through social media that show people in, in Paris inside the cathedral at Notre Dame with their hands in the air in church, in a cathedral, standing with their hands in the air. And they've got them in the air because the cops have ordered them to have their hands in the air. They're not, they're not holding their hands up to heaven, praying. What are we doing? Seriously, world, what are we doing? And this is a tiny percentage of a massive group of people in our world, a tiny percentage of Muslims who have perverted that faith and are now wreaking havoc on the rest of the world. Look at what's happened. You had London three times in recent memory, two attacks using cars. You had the bomber in, in Manchester. You had Australia and the guy in Australia has been identified as someone they had locked up, someone they had put away and released him on probation or parole or whatever they had done to let him go. And prior to that, that in turn, that locking him up before, prior to locking this jack wagon up, he was a suspect in a major terror plot in Australia. And all of these in common, all of these incidents that inspire hashtags, they're all related to one thing, a perversion of Islam. And the weird part, we were talking about this before the show today, Doc Thompson and I and, and Mike Broomhead, we're talking about the fact that that 90% of the people killed are, are God-fearing Muslims. They're not radicals. 90% of the victims of ISIS and these folks are Muslims. So where is the Muslim faith in standing up and saying, stop it? This is, this is uh, again, another Ramadan killing. This is another Ramadan attack. Well, this one wasn't a killing. It was an attack. But this is another Ramadan attack, and we have bombings going on also in the Middle East. We were we were discussing the, the bombing, I believe it was in uh, Kabul, just a couple of days ago. 300 people killed. We're, we're not talking about it. American media isn't talking about it unless it affects... People, I guess, who we recognize or think sound and look like us. But this is going on now, and it's going on with greater frequency. The Paris attacker today, the guy who took the hammer to a police officer before he was shot, is now reportedly, um, reportedly told cops this is for Syria. He was doing it for Syria. We now know the identity of the three guys in London. And there seems to be strong connections to the Middle East. A lot of people are going to say, "Well, they're 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 British citizens." There is refugee status connected to at least one of them. Uh, they're all dead, so at least we don't have to pay for a trial there. But I I hope they have gotten all of the uh, intelligence value out of the connections they had after going through all of those apartments. I, I have a couple different updates to cover today, but I wanted to get that news out early. That yes, once again, another day in Ramadan, another day where we apparently have some sort of attack. Thank God, this one did not result in any death, and at least they got the guy. They didn't kill him; they shot him. What did they? They, um, I forget the correct police term, but they said they they (laughs) they put him down. They slowed him down. They. They disabled the attack. They blunted the attack. Today has some history to it. And in the third hour of the show today, we're going to speak to our good friend, Emily Zanati. You know her from Heat Street. Uh, Emily is currently working on a book about D-Day, and today is D-Day. Today, if, if you don't understand D-Day, I need to send you back to your fifth or sixth grade history classes and understand what what exactly happened on D-Day, so you can you can grasp it. Emily sent me some notes uh, ahead of our segment, and one of them is is so powerful. We know there were a couple hundred thousand Americans and our allies standing shoulder to shoulder with us as as we launched the greatest offensive ever in World War II, the offensive that changed the momentum, that changed the direction of the war. And in spite spite of the efforts to do our best to minimize casualties, we knew there were going to be casualties. There are 9,387 graves in the American cemetery in Normandy, France. Nine thousand. 387 it's it's not even close to compared to what you see in uh, Arlington National Cemetery but it's it's a stunning stunning scene when you walk there and the picture Emily sent has a note underneath it that says these 9,387 graves in the American Cemetery at Normandy all face west Towards home, pretty amazing, right? Pretty amazing when you think about it. Uh, Eisenhower was um, the the leader of the Supreme Allied Command. Eisenhower was the guy who was given the task as the general of the American military, the guy who had to oversee the entire operation. And just think, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a time where the general, the leader of all of the of all of the allied forces, could send out a tweet to the troops or could send an email. But he could make a statement to all of those people who were preparing to face what is one of the most remarkable military efforts and accomplishments ever. And if you haven't taken a moment, we're going to talk more with Emily about it. You need to listen to Eisenhower's words.
4: the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940-41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle, I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking.
3: Amazing, right? Could you imagine that speech being given today? Could you imagine the effort that was put forward by those hundreds of thousands and many of them, knowing what they faced, was going to be a, a bloody battle. Many of them, knowing exactly what was coming down the pike. It, it really is a, a remarkable day, and I'm I'm proud that we're going to be able to spend some time on it on the show. I'm I'm pleased that Glenn Beck says yes. History is important enough for us to to stop what we're doing and spend some time discussing it. And that's why we will in the third hour of this show talk more about. D-Day and understanding what D-Day really meant, not just to America, but but to the world. And after we saw a weekend worth of hand-wringing over pulling out of a climate agreement that was really just meant to change the fortunes of nations, not the environment, this was actually something that changed, truly changed the destiny of the entire world. We'll we'll get into it in the third hour, but I wanted to share that with you, especially as we as we start the show with yet again breaking news about another terror attack, another group of people who want to change and eliminate freedom. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. We'll be right back.
4: You're listening to
3: Pure
0: Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Welcome back. I neglected to tell you the phone lines are open. So if you want to weigh in on today on anything we're talking about, 888-900-3393, 888 We will talk about some of the, I think, fake outrage that's going on in the media right now. Uh, They're mad at the president because nothing's happening that they can really report on. The biggest story that broke yesterday, in my opinion, was the story of the leaker. The leaker. And even the story of the leaker has a comic twist to it. What was the name of the 25-year-old snowflake with security clearance? Reality winner. And I'm sure they called her real her parents called her real. I wonder if these were like hippie parents 25 years ago would have been 1992. These parents would have given birth to reality winner who calls their kid reality. What are you dooming the kid? And now the kid's name is real winner. So you're a real winner, aren't you? And now you had classified material that you gave away. I just have to wonder, what the hell are you thinking? So this morning, one of our, our buddies here who has, who has some talk show credibility said to me, how does a 25-year-old get security clearance to be able to get top-secret information? This was NSA data about Russia's attempts to get inside our election. And again, nothing, nothing, nothing has been shown to have been accomplished they did not change a single vote at the ballot box. But, but here's, here's the weird thing about it, as my friend was saying, how does a 25-year-old get top-secret security clearance? You can understand it if somebody joined the military at 18 or graduated college after going through an ROTC program or was on some sort of uh, academy, uh, Air Force Academy, Naval Academy and then started into the intelligence work. I believe Buck Sexton briefed the president of the United States when he was 26 years old. And that's a big security clearance. I remember Buck saying that uh, W. walked into the Oval Office and he was sitting there waiting on him. He was sitting on the couch, and the president turned to one of his aides and went kind of like, who's the kid? Who's the kid over here? What's he doing here? I thought I was supposed to get a, my PDB, my presidential daily briefing. And Buck was like, yes, sir, I'm, I'm it. And Bush thought they were jerking his chain at first. So, yeah, you can, you can be a young star in the intelligence community. I don't know about reality winner. But the fact that she was arrested on Saturday and it, the news kind of broke late yesterday it's amazing to me that, that this was kept quiet for so long. You would have think this would have dominated. I still don't understand why this story is not huge news. Because leaks out of the White House, top secret information leaks, especially that relate to the Russian investigation and the alleged collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians, why isn't this the most dominating item uh, aside from the terror attacks? on the mainstream media. I'll tell you why. Because they didn't find anything that's damning them. They found nothing. Nothing. And this just goes along the lines and completely in sync with what we've been hearing all along. You heard you heard uh, Auntie Max saying that there's no, no real smoking gun. We've seen smoke but no fire. And yesterday, Senator Warner, a Democrat, was also being asked about the investigation. He said this.
6: One of the big questions, of course, is, is there any evidence of collusion that you have seen yet? Is there?
4: Listen, there is a lot of smoke. We have no smoking gun at this point, but there is a lot of smoke. And again, one of the questions that we will have, not only for Director Comey on Thursday, but on Wednesday for Director of National Intelligence Coates and NSA, uh, National uh, NSA Director Admiral Rogers. I'm going to want to ask them because there have been reports that the president also talked to both of them in terms of asking them to downplay the Russian investigation. That would be very concerning to me.
3: Very concerning. Very concerning. Something you want to ask. But after months now, we're going on six months of this. They don't have a smoking gun. The NSA memo was leaked. There was no smoking gun. As a matter of fact, it probably proved more that Russia tried but failed. That couldn't actually change the votes once they were in the machines. It's amazing, right? Absolutely amazing. There's more to talk about today. There's more fake news. Oh, yeah, there's, uh, there's some news from Anti Max. And and if you were here yesterday and you heard our talk about the N-word, I have a follow-up from Don Lemon of CNN. I'll get to that after the break. Come on back.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka.
2: On the Blaze Radio Network. listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Welcome back. A lot going on today. Third hour we're going to talk more about D-Day with Emily Zanati from Heat Street. She's working on a book actually on D-Day. So why not? Why not get some perspective from someone who's doing some digging on the subject? There is a quote from Eisenhower which I think bears repeating. This was right after the bombers had taken off because they took off just, just before midnight. They had to fly a considerable distance to get there. And he was talking about whatever would happen if the landings failed. And Eisenhower's words, I'm quoting him directly, if any blame or fault attaches to the attempt, it is mine alone. Close quote. You want to talk about getting a chill. When was the last time we had a leader take that kind of responsibility? And it was, I think, under nine years later, he was the president. But yeah, that's uh, just a little bit of a sidebar. As we look back, we try to look forward. We try to look back. We try to learn from what's going on. Yesterday on this very show, we had a discussion about the N-word. And as a free speech guy, I hate having to say the N word, but I also am gracious enough to not want to just throw the word out there if it offends people. And it does offend people. And in our discussion yesterday, I was, I was very impressed with, and so were others, with Shimant's take on it. Shimant pushes the buttons here and, and uh, makes me sound better. And understanding the black experience as as it comes to that word is, I think, very important. And so when I heard Don Lemon getting ready to talk about it last night, my ears pricked up. And it, it made me put a vital question on Twitter. And I guess a lot of you are afraid to even weigh in on this. Bill Maher actually sparked the vital question. Should anyone be allowed to use the N-word? Should anyone? As a free speech guy, I, I think yes, but you have to be mindful of the consequences. Sometimes if you say something in a certain place, you'll get a punch in the face. Sometimes you'll get a high five. And as we learned yesterday, context matters. If you're joking with your buddies and you're all calling yourselves that name, maybe it's acceptable. Sherrod Small, my friend, a comic, will use it all the time. I can't have a 30-second conversation with Sherrod without hearing that word three times. You won't hear it from me. It's very different. But last night, I'm listening to, as I'm driving, last night I was listening to CNN, and I heard Don Lemon approach the subject. And here's the interesting thing. I think Don Lemon takes every position possible on the use of the N-word. In less than two minutes. He takes every possible position on it. He's for it. He's against it. He's around it. He's on top of it. He's underneath it. He wants to tear it up. He wants to put it on a pedestal. All of this. Listen to Don Lemon. This is from last night on his own little program.
6: My stance on the word is that it should be used officially I think journalists should be able to use it because people are not saying it's it, it, it. if you come on TV and you say Bill Maher said uh house n-word, it doesn't have the impact if, if if someone in a court case says you know writes in a memo or in a in a you know dur- during a, a court hearing that someone said the n-word it's not what they said it was a whole reason I held up the n-word on this program once to show the impact of the word And if you don't understand the impact of that word
3: then you shouldn't be using it and if you okay okay so right now i'm with them i'm like if, if you re- it's like using a word that you don't understand the definition of it or a term you really shouldn't use something be, uh, that you don't understand because you're likely to look foolish or say the wrong thing and now Don Lemon starts to pivot, and I don't know why he did it. Nobody interjected. He just decided to change direction.
6: Understand the impact of the word, then you, you probably should not be using it. So I don't really like it in music. I know it's different in art. I'm not the word police. That's a very tricky subject. But I don't think that you sh- people should just be willy nilly using that word. And I think that sometimes it gives license people license to use it. I don't think white people should be
3: using it. Whoa! 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 So now you're not allowed to use it if you're of a certain skin color. Before it was if you were in an official capacity. And then it was if you don't understand the meaning of it, you shouldn't be allowed to use it. And notice all of these conditions Don Lemon is putting on the N-word as he is saying, I'm not the word police. Well, he might be the N-word police if you listen to him. He continues
6: like it when anybody uses it but my question is is wh- what sort of consensus are we going to come to that word why do we have so many different standards for so many different people shouldn't we just say should we pretty much one standard don't use it unless you officially have to and then we won't have to go through this rigmarole every single
3: what does that mean don't use it unless you officially have to so don't use it unless you have to use it are you ca- don lemon was as i said He was left of it. He was right of it. He was under it. He was over it. He was inside of it. Then he was outside of it. But he wasn't done there. He came back to it.
6: Here's the thing. We say that we're taking back that word. Obviously, it causes so much pain that that hasn't worked yet. My stance is that we shouldn't give. We've given that word away.
3: We've taken the word back. Have we taken the word back? And now we never should have given it away? What? I, I should let him keep going.
6: And, and the cost was too high for that word. Don't give it away. Don't think that you're taking back the word by overusing it or bastardizing it. It's not working. Let's just not use the word. Thank you all. Good night.
3: So there it is. The Don Lemon final word. Let's not use the word. And I go back to Nancy Pelosi. Remember when someone asked her her favorite word and she said, My favorite word is, uh, um, my favorite word is the word. I wanted to start screaming the surfing bird song Papa o mau, mau. But Don Lemon, he's on every side of this. I think this is uh, one of these issues that, unless you understand the context, unless you understand the pain, unless you understand the true meaning of the word, then you should use a different word. I'm not telling you not to, but it's just like when we write pieces for the blaze. For a long time, you would see people use the word excoriate when somebody took somebody apart, and it's a great word. But if you knew what the word meant, you should use it. But also, if you're using it too much, it doesn't mean what it it meant when you used it with with the, uh, the first time, the impact it had. I still think Lenny Bruce had it right. If we could find a way to properly remove the power of that word, then it wouldn't matter who says it. And I don't want anybody to be censoring any language. The only thing I really want to make clear is that if and when you choose to use a word you know is offensive, then and only then, if you understand the consequences, should you go ahead and do so? So pick your words carefully. You have to decide. I don't think anyone else can decide for you. That's why that very first, that very first amendment allows you that freedom. You disagree with me? I'd love to hear from you. 888 900 3393 or go to the poll that I posted on my Twitter account, at Stuntbring. Should anyone be allowed to use the N-word? I answered yes, First Amendment. If you're no different than me, then you don't have different words that you can use that I can't. 77% of you say yes. 17% say no. 7% say they can't decide, which is normal. And 0%, I'm happy to see this, 0% say some people can use it. I don't agree. We'll get into some of the other news. I just wanted to share that with you because I thought it was kind of strange that we talked about it at length yesterday. And uh, Don Lemon then came out of nowhere and talked about it at length on his show. Maybe he's a listener. Are you out there, Don? We offered you the opportunity to go shooting with us. He turned us down. We're not giving up. Michael Opelka and Pure Opelka. We'll be right back.
0: Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Welcome back. Don't forget, if you are someone who is wasting time not getting Relief Factor, I'm going to be in your ear until you do so. I started Relief Factor over 13 weeks ago. It changed me. I I was actually running around the building today with Doc Thompson. He went out for a long run, but I was actually running. And it's something I hadn't done for a long time because my knees were falling apart. I was actually looking at knee replacement surgery because my knees were killing me. Started taking Relief Factor, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Eight days later, I, I stopped taking painkillers. No over-the-counter, no prescription, nothing into my 12th week of this. Why are you waiting? Get the three-week quick start pack. It's nineteen ninety five. Call them. Eight, eight, I'm sorry, it's 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. It's ReliefFactor, ReliefFactor.com. All natural, anti-inflammatory. It has changed my life. Maybe you're one of the thousands out there who had changed your life too. Don't wait. Three-week quick start pack, 1995, ReliefFactor.com. Uh, before we wrap up this hour... I stumbled into something today that I think deserves us to say no, and I support. I support inventors. I support people who are startup people. I support guys who are trying to create something and use their mind to come up with something that'll make the world better. But I think this one's this one's uh, got to be uh, put on the pause list. It's something called the woogie. A purposeful playtime robot, and it's on one of the Indiegogo pages, and I stumbled into it, and I'm just going to let you enjoy a little bit of the woogie pitch tape as they try and sell us on what I'm thinking is a parental replacement. It's a little bitty, cute little robot. Think of Alexa for for your preschooler. Wake up, alien. Woogie, meet the world. World, meet Woogie. The learning assistant every kid will love. Woogie is an AI voice-activated robot that sits in the child's room to act as their personalized learning companion. Wait a minute. Woogie is the voice-activated AI robot that sits in the child's room to act as their personal learning companion. So you talk to Woogie and Woogie talks to you. When I was a kid, we used to call that mom or dad or one of my brothers or sisters. But wait, there's more. He has answers for everything from... Why did the dinosaurs disappear?
5: Scientists say it was because of an asteroid colliding with the Earth 65 million years ago.
3: But- so, so you got Woogie, who's answering questions. And I remember as a small child running into the kitchen in our apartment on the south side of Chicago. Very cramped space when you had four or five kids and two adults and grandparents. I remember asking my mom, driving her crazy, going, Mom, why do we call an orange an orange? Why is it called an orange? I know it's the color orange, but does that, did did it come up with that name first? But I remember my mom patiently explaining it to me, not like Woogie telling me the answer to where did dinosaurs come from.
5: ...colliding with the Earth 65 million years ago. But maybe they are just very good at hiding. Two. Why do I need to eat broccoli? Broccoli helps your body heal. To be healthy and full of beans, you actually have to be full of broccoli.
3: Using artificial intelligence, Woogie proactively delivers knowledge in a witty and playful way. No. Wookie is replacing mom and dad. We don't need to be giving the kids anything else that's taking them out of human contact. We don't need to be substituting parents with AI. I have to tell you, Woogie people... I'm totally against this, and I support a lot of crowdfunding efforts. Am I wrong? If you want to see this, I will tweet out a link to the Woogie YouTube pitch because it's, it's, we're only 50 seconds into it. It's almost three minutes of Woogieisms and, and turning curiosity into fun learning. No, we're turning kids away from people and into little, little devices that will ultimately become the tools of these robots. Woogie understands your questions and answers them in a witty and playful way. No. Let me know if I'm wrong on Woogie, and if any of you have bought into the the Woogie crowdfunding. Currently, uh, it's it's about forty percent of its goal. That means if it doesn't hit the goal, it'll it won't ever be built. We got to stop this and stop it now. I want a Woogie-free world. We'll be right back.
0: Pure Opelka
2: with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Second hour of Puro Pelka. We have much to talk about today. We still have uh, our guest, Emily Zanotti, joining us next hour to talk about D-Day. We've been mentioning a couple things about D-Day throughout the show, and we will continue to do do so. It is one of the most... Amazing things this country ever did, and we did it with our allies joining us. We did it with uh, the the allies of World War II uniting. We had Canada with us. We had France with us. We had our British friends with us, and and we turned the war around. But we'll get into that deeper. I do have to everybody get your watch out. Let's let's uh, synchronize our watches because it is forty four hours fifty three minutes and. 10 seconds until James Comey testifies before Congress. Now, 44 hours, 53 minutes, and they're counting down hours, minutes, and seconds on CNN. Are you kidding me, CNN? You really, there's so much crap on the screen on CNN. The real estate has been just gobbled up. And Fox, you're not doing any better. They don't have a countdown clock. They just have a little bug in the corner that says, the Comey hearing, special coverage, Thursday, 9 a.m. We're two days away from this. They're going to have a pre-show like it's the damn Super Bowl. What do you think he could say? What do you think he will say? Do you think he's trained long enough not to be able to get up and have to pee in the middle of the hearing? What are they going to be talking about? We know. We know. And, and it better not take all day. That's all I can tell you. How many questions can, can he answer? He's already answered many questions prior to this. But we're going to spend two days now counting down. And nothing else is really going on. It must be great to have a job where you don't have to really do anything. Just wonderful. Uh, before we get knee-deep into the news again, uh, I need to rant a little bit. I need to um, I need to throw a little anger on some people out there. I came from Delaware yesterday afternoon, right after the show yesterday, had it all planned out. was going to bounce out of the constitutionally protected free speech bunker in the woods of Arden, Delaware, and come down to the philly airport. it's It's sixteen miles from my front door to the terminal at the Philadelphia International Airport. There would be no traffic at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I would be there in plenty of time to get on a plane at 4.55, land in Dallas at 6.30, and then crash and have a nice night's sleep. And everything was set to go until we got to the airport. And guess what happens? We're five minutes from boarding. The whatever it is, 200 people assembled swarming at the gate like ants trying to crawl on a piece of food that fell off a picnic table. We're all ready to push our way in as whatever group we are in to board the plane. When they announced that they have the plane, they have all the passengers, we have the flight attendants, we just don't have a pilot. We had everything but a pilot. Well, what can you tell us? Oh, we can't really tell you anything. It's probably going to be close to 6 o'clock. Well, so that's not too bad, I guess. It's about, a, And then they said, well, it's probably going to be closer to 6.40 that it gets here. Uh, well, it's going to be about 7 o'clock before we get everybody on the plane. Just about a quarter to eight, the plane took off last night. I had plans on being in bed asleep. I know what you're saying. Must be a tough life. You got to go to Dallas to work at the big office. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, but it's a pain in the butt. But wait, there's more. If you want to take joy at my misfortune, if you want to have a schadenfreude moment. So I'm in Dallas. I'm cranky. It's, it's 10 o'clock Dallas time, which means it's 11 o'clock in my body time. I usually get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. So now I'm at the, the very end of my day. And I know that if I don't get enough sleep, my brain will start eating itself. So now I'm worried that my brain is going to start eating itself because I'm not going to get enough sleep. And I saunter over to the rent-a-car counter to pick up the rental car I had reserved. And I was trying to be a good citizen, a good, a good responsible employee and get a cheap rent-a-car. I found a rent-a-car for $17 a day. You can't get tolls and insurance from a -a rent-a-car company for $17 today. I had my my reservation all printed out. I was ready to go. I had my driver's license ready. I snapped it on the counter and said, hello, sir, I've got a -a rent-a-car waiting for me. Here's my reservation, my driver's license. Giddy up. The guy looked at me and paused for a moment. He looked at his computer screen. He typed in a couple of numbers. He goes, oh, Michael Opelka, yes, you are. That's you. I said, yes, I know it's me. And he said well here's what i can do for you and i thought they were going to give me the spiel you know about maybe upgrading your car for just five dollars a day more we could put you in an escalade or something you know how they do when you go to the rent a car company and i would come in big Willie style to the office i could say yeah i could do that i was ready for that pitch but the guy goes uh we don't have any cars and I stared, you know, because I'm thinking this is a joke. What do you mean you don't have any cars? You're a car rental company. And I'm having that Seinfeld moment. I have a reservation. He goes, yes, yes, we took your reservation. So, well, that's the whole purpose of having the reservation is to have the car go with the reservation. And I'm trying to think. If I get too loud, I know that he's got all the power now. He's behind the terminal. And the guy says, uh, tell you what I'm going to do for you. And I'm thinking, all right, you're going to send me over to your pal at Enterprise Rent-A-Car or Avis or Hertz or somebody else, National, and you're going to give me the, the same deal, the same $17 per day deal on the Ford Fusion that you at Payless Cars offered me. Yeah, the company's name was Payless. They were on Travelocity. I figured they were legit. They have a booth at the... Rent-a-car building at the airport? He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll put you on the wait list. What What? What? what are you going to do? I'm going to put you on the wait list. He said, okay, so I have a reservation. You're putting me on the wait list. How long do I have to wait? He said, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half. Like I said, I'm already on the verge that if everything breaks correctly, traffic, hotel, everything, I'm getting four hours sleep. I said 90, an hour to 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah, we should have enough cars here by then. What, are you making them? You're building the damn cars? So I, I'm, and maybe this was wrong of me to do this, but I decided to go quiet. You know, like sometimes when somebody's really mad and they whisper at you, it's worse than them yelling at you. Because you don't know if they're about to snap, which I probably was about to snap at that point. Old, tired, worn out, been waiting on the runway. Might had a couple glasses of wine on the plane. And I'm getting ready to go off on this guy. And I just looked him in the eye and I said, don't put me on your waiting list. What you've done is unconscionable. What you've done is unthinkable. What you've done is unethical. I don't want to do business with you. And as a matter of fact, I hope your toes grow together. And he looked at me and he was like, what? And I said, when you go to bed tonight, when you wake up, I hope your toes have all grown together, fused. So you just have just like one giant foot with one big toe. And I said, good night and walked away. And I went over to uh, budget rent a car and I got a pickup truck for pretty much the same. Not, not the same rate, but it was like 30 bucks a day. So I actually ended up with a pickup truck. I got a big old red pickup truck that everyone here is giving me a hard time. Oh, look at you pulling up in a big red Ford pickup truck. I figured I should go Texas, right? Had to go Texas. Why not? Go big or go home. Shemont is looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Would you, would you not have gone with the pickup truck? Maybe not. Maybe not. So that's my experience from last night. That's why I'm a little bit frazzled today. That's why I'm a little, a little irritable, as you might to have noticed. That's why I'm ready to snap. But if anyone goes on and uses a service like Travelocity and is offered a car rental company, go with one of the more established carriers, Go with one of the more established companies. I'm getting a thumbs up from the other room. Thanks, Kreskin. But um, pay less cars. I sincerely, I sincerely hope everything, everything about your business crumbles. You just can't, you can't have a car rental company. It's It's totally out of Seinfeld. Anybody can take a reservation. The reservation goes with the car. That's how it works. I know I'm getting the calm down signal from the other room. When we get back, I want to talk about real heroes. And then I, I, also, we have to get back into the transgender thing. There's a new story, a new story that I just, you know, if I were a parent, I would be screaming and hooting and hollering. And I got a, I got a, um, a conversation. I had a call on the phone yesterday with a parent whose kid is taking part in high school sports and the schools have decided not to let the parents watch the competition. Can you imagine your kids participating in a competition, an athletic competition, and the school said, no, you, the parents, can't watch, and if you do want to watch, we're going to disqualify your kid? Wouldn't your eyebrows be a little bit raised? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that just around the corner. Mike Pelka and Pure Opelka, come on back.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
5: Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Welcome back, Pure Opelka. We have next hour going to talk with our friend Emily Zanati. so you should join us next hour. We'll talk about D-Day because it's important. Also, um, there was a comment about the proximity to uh, Doc Thompson. I think it was from uh, Toby on the Twitter my proximity to Doc Thompson uh, seems to bring out the angry Mike Opelka. Um, I don't know about that, but I just was struck with the idea that maybe, just maybe, we need to show you what Doc Thompson's office here at The Blaze looks like. Because he's got kind of a condo office setup here. You know, because Doc, Doc's a commuter. Doc commutes from Arkansas. Which is tough, but he's dedicated that way. And he spends a lot of time here. But I also think that, you know, he's got one of those tiny houses kind of a setup here. And maybe we should show that. Uh, It's one of those things. I mentioned we were going to talk about heroes because uh, we don't have enough of them, obviously, in our lives. And I've also mentioned that I'm planning on going over to the Bush Center over at Southern Methodist University, otherwise known as SMU, uh, where where, um, George W. Bush has his library and there's an exhibit of paintings that features wounded vets. Well, the former president doesn't just care about the wounded vets, he, he lives now to support the wounded veterans. And there's a story that just went up on the blaze about 15, 20 minutes ago entitled Watch as George W. Bush Makes a Surprise Visit to Wounded Veterans. Bush with uh, Speaker Paul Ryan surprised a bunch of vets in Dallas, and they met with each veteran and spoke with them about their injuries, their recovery, and their service. It's impossible to watch this video without seeing what a real president looks like. It, it's impossible to watch this video and not feel like we we totally not not all of us, but we as a country totally misjudged George W. Bush. In in my opinion, he's he's a great guy. He may not have been the best president, but I think he was a solid president when it came to uh, being a, a great American and supporting America as as the Constitution wants us to do. I didn't agree with everything he did. Everybody calm down. There's a lot of people going, stimulus, stimulus. But if you look at this video and you see the veterans who are wounded vets, one, one of whom actually received the Purple Heart from President Bush. And then you read, he never remembered getting the Purple Heart from the President because he was in a coma when it was given it to him. So just take a few moments out of of your day today and visit this story. I'm going to tweet out a link to it. It's it's one of those things that you have to, in the face of all the sniping in D.C., in the face of all the screaming back and forth on both sides, you have to realize that that there are good public servants out there, that are people who are not dividing us but trying to bring us back together. And George W. Bush, God bless you for what you're doing for the wounded vets, sir. You know that's a big part of a part of my mission here, a big part of what I'm about, and that's why we spent so much time with our friend Ernesto. And yeah, we're keeping tabs on Ernesto. We're keeping track of what he's up to. He's hopefully, hopefully going to make it onto Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And if he does, uh, I kind of weaseled my way into being his phone-a-friend. So I'm one of the friends he's going to list in case he, he needs help. But if he makes, makes it onto Millionaire, his charity obviously is going to be for um, wounded veterans. Now let's get back to the transgender thing, can we? Um, there, there's a story also on The Blaze written by my colleague and friend Dave Urbanski about a transgender sprinter, a freshman born a male who just won the girls' 100-meter and 200-meter dashes at the Connecticut High School Class M State Championships. Now, as a parent, again, how do you feel about this? I understand there is a now legally accepted gender issue and that this person Andrea Yearwood who was born a male and now identifies as a female is now has both titles and the girl who won last year as a sophomore came in second it it looked like a distant second too saying it's very frustrating but now with tears in her eyes telling the local paper, that's just the way it is now. It's got to be hard. If If you're not a person who had the same muscle structure as a male because you were born a female and now you have to run against this person. But some of these kids have incredible wisdom in their statements. The young lady who won last year, the young lady, the sophomore, who was beaten so badly said, I can't really say what I want to say, but there's not much I can do about it. Talk about having grace under this kind of intense focus and pressure. You can't blame anyone. Her times were slowing during the season. If I ran my best race, I could have won. I didn't. I felt good. I hadn't felt good for the last three days, but there are no excuses. From what I know, she's really nice, and that's all that matters. She's not rude and obnoxious. Talk about being a graceful loser. I still think this is wrong. I still think what the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference has done on this gender identity issue is out of line. And I'll say it now. There's two genders, male and female. And yeah, you can have one that's just questioning. But I don't think you should be allowed to participate in sports with people who identify as the gender they have become. Okay. Send your cards and letters. Send your hate mail to me, Mike Opelka. Pure Opelka. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka.
2: On the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: I just want you to know a story that uh, I think we led the coverage here on Pure Opelka almost two weeks ago. A story that we pushed is now getting a lot of national coverage on places like Fox. I'm talking about Evergreen State College in Washington. Remember we talked about the faculty member who decided he was not going to sit out on the day that they were saying, it's a day without white people. And it was supposed to be students and faculty who were white were mandated not to show up. Which I actually thought was interesting because the previous years when they would do a a day without black people, a day without Latinos, a day without women, it was not mandatory it was up to you to decide. So now, now that the school had the kids who took over the president's office, who shut down the library, and then also went to the office of the faculty member who wrote a letter to his cohorts. He didn't write it to the students. He just said, no, I don't think this is a good idea, and I'm not going to support it. I'm going to show up for work on the day without white people. Well, the students went to his office and tried to create a ruckus. You remember, we played the clips. They did not want to have a dialogue. They wanted to have a yell session. That's it. Well, now, the school lost three full days as classes had to be shut down because there were death threats. Death threats against people. I think... I have to check, but I think they're finally back in business. So that's going on. Uh, That story is happening. And then uh, as we look at the countdown clock, it's just 44 hours and change until Jim Comey gets up and answers questions. Well, you knew this was coming. But somebody in D.C., in the Shaw neighborhood of Washington, D.C., is hosting a Comey hearing cofefe. I know we buried the word last week, but people keep bringing it. They're doing a viewing party for the testimony. So it's going to be at 10 o'clock in the morning. Are they going to be serving brunch? Is that what's going to be happening there? Serving a brunch because of this? You know, I have to give them credit for being good entrepreneurs. I have to give them credit for being creative. But it's getting to be a little ridiculous. Just a little ridiculous. CNN's countdown clock, four hours, 22 minutes, and seven seconds, in case you were wondering. I'm sure there's a desktop app you can put on your web page now that'll also let that happen. Also in weird DC news today, a company has decided to launch a Kickstarter campaign to try and get some money to create a new action figure. It's an action figure for the future, an action figure that will, will basically, well, it's, there's no way to sugarcoat this. They're making Elizabeth Warren action figure complete with, I wonder if they'll have interchangeable headdress so she can show her Cherokee roots. Will she be able to do that? Will that be one of the options? The Kickstarter campaign started uh, just, uh, well, it was like Tuesday. Today. And they wanted to raise $15,000. They thought it would take them to July 7th to do it. So far, more than 600 people have pitched in $18,000. They say they have enough money now to create the Elizabeth Warren action figure. Dare I show it to you? You know, the more I see, uh, they've Elizabeth Warren's got Ben Franklin's glasses, but they've got the action figure and they have the pitch video as well. Uh, you know what? I spoke too soon. They wanted 15,000. Earlier today, they had already gotten up to 18,000. It currently stands at $25,000 for the Elizabeth Warren action figure. Are you kidding me? Are you absolutely kidding me? I I don't know. It oh, the video, the pitch video opens up with a Donald Trump action figure being punched by what appears to be Elizabeth Warren and then she's holding the Trump action figure over her head and drops it on the floor. By the way, the Trump action figure giving the finger. And they repeatedly show Elizabeth Warren punching Trump. It's, uh, it's her in black pants, a black top, and she's got a red blazer. And it, lo- it looks pretty much like Elizabeth Warren. But they're showing how they're going to make it. They made clay figures, obviously. And if they get enough money, they say we're turning Elizabeth Warren into an action figure. Well, guess what? They've made enough money. I just wonder if they're going to be made here in America. Do you think? I would bet they're not. I would bet they're outsourcing these to China. So, Elizabeth Warren action figure is a go on the Kickstarter campaign. You don't believe me, I'll show it to you. I I I just wonder if this means she's really running. I swear to you, my every every fiber in my body says Elizabeth Warren is going to run for the White House. I know she's already running to get reelected as a senator. But this one is, uh, this one's beyond the pale. Uh, Again, they they made a Donald Trump action figure and she keeps beating him. And uh, he, he is, I'll tweet out a link to it so you can see it yourself. It's, it's a, I know it's wrong. I shouldn't be laughing at this. But I think it really is—it really is screwy. In addition to the James Co, james Covey, Comey testimony, Cofefe, and the Elizabeth Warren action figure, uh, we also have some important news for you. Uh, and this is this is a good customer service on our behalf. This is something that you need to be aware of. If you are a person who uses the internet, which I anticipate you do because you listen to the show, probably over the internet or over the Blaze radio app or over the iHeart radio app, you're someone who's digitally connected. We are getting an alert that um, don't accept a video called Dance of the Pope. Do not accept a video called Dance of the Pope. We're hearing that this is a virus that will format your cell phone. In other words, wipe out everything on your cell phone. So if you see an email from somebody you don't know, and it says, hey, have you seen the dance of the Pope? And we're all thinking, who wouldn't want to see the Pope dance? Who wouldn't want to tune into that? Don't accept it. The dance of the Pope is a virus. And um, judging from what I'm hearing, (laughs) it's, it's a pretty onerous virus, and you do not want it. Looking back at the news uh, yesterday, CNN is pitching something that I think is a little bit of a, um, a little bit of fake news, a little bit of a, a push to create a story that doesn't exist. They're, they're starting to pitch this idea that, that Sean Spicer has gone missing, Sarah Huckabee Sanders leading the press event yesterday. As a matter of fact, when Sarah Huckabee Sanders was leading the the press briefing, she was even asked about the topic. And I thought this was um, I thought this was strange, but they all all the reporters seemed to gang up when she asks if you would ask this uh, if if she was a man up there.
7: I don't see that the president is, is picking a fight with the mayor of london at all i, I think again the president's point uh as something he said frankly back uh gosh it's been almost two years now a year and a half ago uh when the president talked about how we have to be more committed to national security one of the reasons we have uh the travel ban here through that executive order is a focus on national security that was the point he was trying to make
3: so that was sanders just holding the regular press briefing and then somebody said, "Well, you know, basically, why are you here? Why is it you?"
8: Where's
7: Sean? I'm sorry. Where is Sean? He's here today. Why didn't he come out? Uh, this is part of my job as well. Did you guys ever ask any of the other uh, deputy press secretaries when they filled the position? Now?
8: I'm sorry.
3: They all jumped on top. Where's Sean? Where's Sean? She she's asked by April Ryan. So a woman wants to know where's Sean because obviously there must be a problem if you have a female out there instead of Sean Spicer, right? And they all jump in and go, no, no, we ask this question all the time.
0: A new position
7: now or you just I, I mean he is taking on a, a little bit of extra duty at this point so I think it's Has fairly
8: Position
7: changed then uh, it's probably upgraded at this point given that we so don't so have a communications director here I did president. not say that at all well, I'm still in for the day election? April there are a lot of demands on his schedule particularly given the fact that there's not a communications director and this is part of my job as well and when I'm needed I'll step in well.
3: I don't know why Sean Spicer or anybody would want to be press secretary. It's got to be the worst job in the world. And then the time that Sean Spicer actually has to do something else because, you know, there's a lot going on, the press corps just jumps like rabid dogs. Where's Sean? Where's Sean? Does this mean he's been demoted? What's going on? Worst job in the world. When we get back, Maxine Waters... Yes, there's more from Auntie Max, and I'll share it with you. She's going after liberal journalists now. Liberals aren't safe from Auntie Max. I'll explain after the break.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka
2: with Mike Opelka. On the Blitz Radio Network. Welcome back
3: just around the corner from a visit with our friend Emily Zanati from Heat Street. Emily is going to join us to talk about a couple of stories she's working on, but I'm very interested to get Emily's thoughts on D-Day. We played you a little clip of Eisenhower earlier, and I reminded you of the incredible statement Eisenhower made. When he said, if any blame or fault attaches to the attempt, it is mine alone. What an amazing guy. What an amazing guy. And he's also the guy who warned us about the military-industrial complex. So you saw a guy who wasn't afraid to use the might of our military, but also warned us against it turning on ourselves. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping, you know, Cal and uh, Doc Thompson are lounging in the studio at this moment. And I guess they're finished with their work. It's must be, this must be where they nap. Cause I've taken over a studio space that they're either normally in. It's like that scene in Dawn of the dead when all the, the zombies came to the mall and one of the panicked people, one of the six survivors, goes,
4: why are they here? Why did they come here? Why the mall?
3: And the, the sane black guy goes, this is a place that used to be important to them while they were alive. Yeah. So, Is that the same with you?
9: We were told to keep an eye on you while you're here in Dallas. Keep an eye on you. You know, what's 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 going on?
3: So I was not in your condo here because the Doc Thompson condo on the other side. I don't know anything
9: about that. Okay. I don't know anything about that.
3: There's, there might be a video.
9: By the way, you are overdressed for both Texas weather as well as the studio. You came in with a jacket on. Yeah,
3: I do. I have a jacket.
9: And like, a, like a like a sports coat.
3: Yeah, I do. I have a sports coat on. You hey, wear a sports coat around here for? Well, i have told that you should dress for the job you want, not for the job you have. There's no job around here that requires
9: a sports coat. It must be a different job, like, outside of here.
3: Yeah, I'm interviewing for a car salesman. <laughs> okay, job. Good, good. I was <laughs> going to say. Later that's, right, yes.
9: that's not good. That's not... Even Glenn, have you seen how he
3: dresses? Yeah, it looks like something out of a steampunk video. <laughs> I'm waiting for him to have some kind of goggles that a guy who would be driving an early car would be wearing, and he's got a bow tie and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's ascot. No, it's
9: I've got an ascot on today. <laughs>
3: yes, and and he's dressed with a a leather helmet. And the goggles that right. they used to wear in early driving before windshields. So were the invented. shirt he has
9: on is plaid, but then he has like kind of a Native American fuzzy jacket let's, over it.
3: Yeah, let's just say Glenn Beck is in a clash by himself.
9: Yes, he is in a clash all by himself.
4: <laughs> yes, he is.
3: So uh, I've got like a minute and a half left. I was going to play the Maxine Waters clips. I, I should save those. And uh, uh, you're—I know you're a gigantic hockey fan. You watch hockey. Those. Even the playoffs, you're Huge. even when your teams are gargantuan. Out, uh, you and Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley was at the hockey playoffs.
9: That seems like it's re- sketchy. It's
3: a, well, uh, uh,
4: your
3: team? Wayne, I'm Gra- sorry, your team?
9: oh, clearly the black uh, devil with the river it's hawks.
3: The black devils,
9: the red wood wing devil
3: hawks. With yeah, the- they're, they're all good, <laughs> good that's their farm team. Yes, no, so <laughs> next. Next hour, I'm going to play... Uh, I'll play the clip from Barkley because he ramboed a, um, a a Wayne Gretzky press conference. And uh, he yells off camera, well, who's your favorite black athlete? And Gretzky doesn't miss a beat and goes, Grant Fuhr, who actually was a hockey player, happened to be a black guy. You wouldn't have to take your mittens off to count them, uh, the pro hockey players who happened to be African-American. And Barkley was crushed. But it's a great scene. <laughs> and then he he actually... Barkley's getting some heat for what he said about the NBA playoffs versus the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. I'll cover that, the Cosby update, and Emily Zanotti with some thoughts on D-Day at the top of the hour. Come on back.
0: Pure Opelka.
2: With Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka
0: with Michael Pelka.
2: only on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Welcome back, third hour,
3: third hour, Pure Opelka, and just a reminder: you need to be engaged with this show. You should be. You should be following us everywhere you can. You, that means you should go to theblaze.com, click on the channel section. And go down and follow my channel. You'll get updates whenever we do anything. We post anything. We give you any double secret announcements. So uh, it's kind of important. Uh, today is an important day. We, we love to look at history on this show. This show is um, dedicated to making sure we don't forget. And we also learn from history. And today, no exception. Today, obviously, uh, we've talked about it a couple times earlier is the anniversary of d-day 1944 when when basically we changed the world we turned world war ii around and i always love it when somebody says i want to remember d-day i I'm, i'm so into this i'm going to write a book about it and then they actually start doing it and one such person is somebody i think the the world of professionally and personally Emily Zanati from Heat Street, that's heatst.com, uh, one of those sites I go to all the time, it joins us today. Hello, my friend. How are you?
8: I'm well. How are
3: you? I'm good. I'm in Dallas. I don't know if you've ever been down to the Blazed Beehive, but you, you need to find your way down here one day.
8: Yeah. So what do you I definitely doing? do. Probably in the middle of summer or middle of winter up no, here in Chicago. No, not the middle of summer.
3: Trust me. I have a right. I have a, a I rented a pickup truck for my week down here because Texas, right? You know. Right. Yeah, you have
8: to. Yeah,
3: so I've got a red Ford F150 pick-em-up truck that I'm lumbering around the highways here, but it is like a, <laughs> it is like a giant solar collector outside right now. I'm I'm just looking at Ooh. it and it's sucking in the Texas midday sun. And I just know I know I'm gonna step outside, touch it, and and sizzle. I we probably mm-hmm. could cook on the hood of this car, but a different story for a different time. <laughs> Friday, I'm hosting Thursday and Friday for Glenn Beck. So if you're if you're thinking, hey, I should just come down to Dallas and be on the show with Mike, please feel free. <laughs> get, on on Z- get on the Zanotti vacation. Get on the Zanati jet and come on down. <laughs> yeah, Texas uh, w- once it hits the the um, June, July, and August area, it's um what what did uh, Sherman say if I owned all of Texas and hell, I'd sell Texas and live in hell. I, I think I think I, re- I could be wrong, but I think I remember that. So you came back from a European experience recently, a changed person. Yeah. am I right?
8: I did. Yeah, I visited Normandy Beach and uh, did a full tour of Normandy and the surrounding areas um, all the way through to Cayenne and Carrington um, with some of the producers of, or the producers and consultants for Band of Brothers and Saving Private Ryan. So I had this incredible experience when I was over there and came back and I had a brand new appreciation for everything that happened on those beaches and, and what it was like.
3: Well, just when you when you sit back for a moment and you read the accounts, uh, not not the not the novelized or exaggerated accounts, but when you just read mm-hmm. the factual accounts with six thousand landing crafts, a hundred and seventy six thousand troops being brought to the beach, uh, eight mm-hmm. eight hundred twenty two planes just with parachutists, and another thirteen thousand in the air supporting and covering the invasion. You, you just we dropped can't.
8: seven million bombs seven million bombs on that area of france that day it was It was incredible
3: seven I've never heard that number. I just got a chill just think about that if you're if you guys are listening do you re, do you remember what was it two months ago President Trump uh ordered sixty cruise missiles to be launched uh we dropped seven million bombs that day. That's stunning yeah. Wow. And I, your photo, you tweeted out a photo of the American Cemetery and all of those crosses that are facing west. And I have to tell you, it's hard not to get emotional when you see that. Uh, what was it like yeah, I was walking through that? I was
8: overwhelmed when I was there. It was hard to process. Uh, it wasn't really until I got home that I kind of realized a kind of life-changing experience that I had you when you walk into the Normandy cemetery which is only one of several cemeteries it has 3,000 approximately 3,400 or so people buried in Normandy and the crosses are just row upon row upon row but they overlook Omaha Beach or the edge of Omaha Beach so there's forever this beautiful cold breeze that comes off of Omaha Beach and it's such a beautiful peaceful place but it's hard to separate that from the knowledge that these 4,000 men and women died protecting essentially freedom in Europe. They landed on these beaches and they marched all the way to Berlin over the course of the next several months. And it's, it, it's absolutely breathtaking, and- particularly when you see the trees. So if you see the picture that I tweeted out, none of the trees have tops on them. And that is to represent the fact that all of those who died were cut down in the prime of life.
3: I did not know that I, I was you again, I'm getting chills every, every time you tell me something I'm, Oh my gosh. And so you came back, you got home and you're driven to write this book. What's the, I get, I hate to say angle, but wh- <laughs> what's the story you're going after in this book?
8: So we don't really know exactly what I'm going to do as far as the book um, is concerned, but it looks like I will probably be handling some of the history behind the operations that gave way to D-Day and the various women who actually contributed on the ground in the French resistance as part of the infrastructure that brought D-Day to the shores and then operated behind enemy lines. So There's actually four women who are buried in the D-Day cemetery at Normandy who died in the Allied invasion and so I am likely going to be telling their stories but the scope of Uh, history and research that I'm doing on this project encompasses uh, Operation Overlord entirely and most of the liberation of France. So it's going to be a really fascinating project. And I'm already knee deep into it, but I'm looking forward to every day I get to do this.
3: How do you find time? Do you have a clone?
8: <laughs> I don't. I have to have a pastime, right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I have. You have to have a pastime. You have a very active world. I, I know. We're talking to Emily Zanotti from Heat Street, and uh, talking about D-Day. I played uh, a small clip from uh, from Eisenhower, his message to the troops. That it it reads powerfully. And it also yeah. plays powerfully as well. and it I just can't imagine that generation compared to the snowflakes that we're seeing now and and just the vast difference it truly was the greatest generation, and we truly yeah. owe them every debt of gratitude and every bit of support we can give them when I see those honor flights going uh, to d c and if you're if you're ever in d c and you go down and see World War II vets showing up from the honor flights you have to go over and thank them it's we did yeah, it we did it when the government was closed and I'm using air quotes when the government was closed mm-hmm. and it's uh it's a remarkable experience because they don't they don't really see it as the greatest generation they see it as that was their duty to this nation so that's no what, and
8: in fact I've done some of these interviews so far for this and a lot of them will tell me that that's just what they were told to do. It's, it's amazing to me from the other perspective that we listen to Eisenhower's speech and, and we get the sense of what D-Day really was, but the ask on these young men, these hundreds of thousands of young men, to many of whom were, I mean, the average age was between 17 and 35. And most of the people in the infantry had no battle experience. This was the first time they were going to see war And many of them were not relieved for days or weeks until after D-Day. So the ask on these young men was unbelievable in what they were able to accomplish. Because if we think back, actually, Operation Overlord didn't accomplish all of its objectives on D-Day. They fell short of a couple of goals. They didn't take some of the French cities they thought that they would. But it's an incredible achievement from paratroopers dropping at midnight to these French towns being liberated one by one. Um, The army rangers who climbed Pont du Hoc, which is right between Utah and Omaha Beach, there were 225 of them to start. By the end of the day, there were 90 of them and 80 were wounded. Oh, my God. The, The actual human cost and the human courage and bravery that occurred that day are, it's incredible. I can't even imagine
3: especially when we look at our, our situation now as a nation, we have been at war in the middle East, in Afghanistan for over a decade. It truly is. And I'm not counting the Korean war because, uh, you know, somebody called me out on this. I said, you know, our, our fight, we may have lost Emily. See if we can get her back. I said, our fight. Oh, there you are. Well, maybe something magic happened. Uh, (laughs) Who, who knows? they are ghosts in the machine. But we've that was been, so strange. We've been fighting in Afghanistan for over a decade. And when you think about it, from Pearl Harbor to the end of World War II was like four years. So mm-hmm. this was American military might, American military prowess on display, and our will to win a war. And I think it had something to do with the fact that we initially— we, we let the generals operate the war, and now we've right. gone into the politicizing of any military conflict we have, and I think we've just lost focus on what it means to have an army and let the military do its job. But in this case, uh, they really did their job. So it's a, a deed day yeah. remember. Is there anyone in your family who served in that time who was, who was in World War II?
8: So my family was actually liberated by American soldiers in World War II. We were trapped in the train tunnels underneath um, San Marino in Italy, and the Americans came through after Monte Cassino and liberated us. Um, But my husband's family has several D-Day veterans. In fact, his great uncle was shelling the beach on D-Day. His grandfather uh, came ashore in D-plus 6, so about a week after D-Day, and then marched all the way to um, Buchenwald, the concentration yeah, camp, so sure. um, we do have quite a few veterans, and that's pretty exciting because they're actually all still alive and able to tell me all their stories.
3: <laughs> what What an amazing, you know, first of all, what a cool pair. Your family was liberated, <laughs> and his family right, did yeah. the
8: liberating. Yeah, that's we cool. were trying to figure out if it was the same group of people, but uh, we were... We were a little far north by the time, uh, by the time my family was liberated, his family had moved on to the Pacific. So um, it's a little bit different, but yeah.
3: (laughs) Well, take the credit, you know, you might as well, it's a wonderful story. It's a great story. Emily Zanotti, I always enjoy talking to you. I I could talk to you all day. I have three stories on my screen from you that I want to get quick hits on. First of all, the really good news that Dan Aykroyd swears there's not going to be another Lady Ghostbusters. Right. Is this real?
8: There is no... Yes, this is 100% real. They're arguing over whose fault it is, but according to Dan Aykroyd, who served as an executive producer on Ghostbusters, there will be no sequel. You will not have to endure a second lady Ghostbusters. It just cost too much money and the studio lost too much.
3: Thank God. And uh, have you read <laughs> a Notorious R- RBG's uh, workout book, and are you doing the Ruth Bader Ginsburg workout?
8: It's not out for another couple of weeks, but I will get it when I'm doing it, and maybe I'll do a YouTube video. But please, there will be a Ruth Bader Ginsburg <laughs> workout
3: book. Please, if you do the YouTube video, please wear a wig, the glasses, and the Supreme Court robe like a I judge. Need the robe, yeah. Robe. yeah, you need the robe. And the Michael Mo- <laughs> I, it's just falling into silly time here. Michael Moore
8: Great. has his own
3: website uh, for Trump whistleblowers.
8: Yeah, if you happen to be itching to dump your um, burning information on Donald Trump or his associates, you think you have a big secret, you can go over to Michael Moore's website and he has a section of his website now called Trumpy Leaks, where you can find a bunch of secure communication lines and drop your, your informi- your horrible information about Donald Trump, because of course, Michael Moore will use it to the best advantage. Well, first of all, haven't
3: we had that for the last two years? Hasn't hasn't everybody who has dirt on Donald Trump come forward or ran yeah, to much. MSNBC? Yeah. So the, this <laughs> is, I don't understand the need for this. It's it's mystifying to me. And I'm sure you're working on the uh, story of the the saint's brain that was stolen that they're worried about.
8: Yeah, I actually, just got that on my desk.
3: Okay, good. Well, I'll look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Emily Zanotti. She is a remarkable uh, a remarkable person in many ways, and I appreciate your perspective on this. I cannot wait for you to call and say we have to talk about my D-day book and we can okay. plug it on the show. Thank you. And uh, I'm not holding my breath looking for you to come down here to Texas on Friday. It's too hot, so don't bother. But anytime you're welcome here. Thank you, Emily.
8: <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks.
3: I I don't think anybody has more fun at their job than Emily Zanotti, except me. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
5: Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today.
2: To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951.
0: Opelka with Mike Opelka. Uh, welcome back. I'm just, I I get so caught up
3: whenever I start talking to Emily, I forget to check the Twitter. And so many of you responded to my experience with um, Payless Car Rental Service, the weasels who took my reservation but neglected to get cars. <sighs> so thank you, very little. Uh, but um, Frank and... Yeah, I did just growl. Shaman just asked, did you just growl? I went, ha! Frank in PA asked, does your red Texas pickup rental truck have a gun wreck? Not yet, Frank, but the day is young. And uh, the TMB Saddle Tramp said, sorry for your travel woes. Let Texas make it up to you. Go get a carne guisada taco with cheese. Oh, that sounds so good. So good. And we will get to that. Uh, Danny... In uh, at Dan Statue, or I'm sorry if I butchered your name, Danny, said, until the flag of the United States flies over every single country, I will never consider myself a citizen of the world. That's a good point. I consider myself well-traveled, but I am an American first and foremost. And a lot of you reacted to my uh, tagging the, the video of President George W. Bush making a surprise visit to some wounded wets, vets. It really is a beautiful piece. It's on the blaze. Uh, our buddy Kate Scanlon put that up there. You have to find it and check it out. Um, the uh, Jeff Thomas tweeted, I know it was a different battle, but I just saw Hacksaw Ridge, and it gave me the feeling of beach landings. I, I can't wait to learn more from what Emily's going to put together uh, in in her book, so many, so many wonderful things about that segment. We'll share uh, when we get back. I promise you. Yes, there's a Maxine Waters piece. I'm also looking into this story about the the um, school athletics program that won't let parents watch the kids participating, and I don't know why. I'm trying to get answers. Uh, we're we're trying to get to the bottom of that. And uh, if you're setting your watches, it's only. 43 hours, 31 minutes and 54 seconds until Jim Comey testifies before Congress. The most ridiculous thing we're having, this countdown. A countdown to a hearing. What a waste of time. Maddening. At least I can tell you there's hope for the world because earlier today when I checked on Twitter, The Bachelorette was the number one trending topic. It is nowhere to be found in the Top listings. Uh, so when we get back, uh, I will give you the Maxine Waters clip. Plus, yes, Charles Barkley showed up at the NHL playoffs, and what he said is causing a few people to be a little upset. I will share that with you. And uh, I have one more item here. I've got to find my pile of papers. It's a big mess in this studio. See, Doc Thompson came in here. And he took my Snowflake coloring book and all the other stuff. I'll be right back after the
1: break.
0: You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka
2: on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Opelka with Mike Opelka. Oh, I can't
3: believe how quickly the day is flying by as there's so much stuff going on. And you, you watch the news and they're not really covering a whole lot of things. They're just obsessed with the Comey testimony coming up 43 hours, 24 minutes and 50 seconds from right now. And not much else. There was the attack in Paris... Today, where a police officer was attacked by a guy with a hammer, and he was shot by another officer. Thank God. And um, so we've been covering some history today and some other stories that are not quite as focused on um, on the politics. And I will get to Maxine. I guarantee you Auntie Max will show up. And I will get to the Charles Barkley thing. But I just saw a story. That really ticks me off. It's really, I I think enough is enough is enough. And this is not a government reaction. This is a private company. But I got to tell you, I think we are now, we are now ruining art. Sony, the massive Sony company, Sony Pictures Entertainment says they will announce clean version initiative is what they're calling this a clean version initiative which will quote allow viewers to screen the broadcast or airline versions of select sony films free from certain mature content close quote so what sony is doing is they are saying they're now going to offer to let you buy or rent the clean version of a movie that has been edited for content. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're changing. You're changing the film. What are we going to do next? We're going to go into all the museums that have naked people and put tape over the tender parts over the tender vegetation or the boobies. What are we doing? Are we going to put fig leaves on statues? The Clean Versions project is currently underway and is launching with 24 films. All of them include the option to screen the version, the version adapted for a wider audience. That's what they're calling it. Oh, we're just adapting it for a wider audience. No, you're editing it for content. If the and see I wonder where the directors are on this. Where did the directors stand? Some of the films that will be available from Sony Pictures on the clean version initiative. 51st Dates, The Battle of the Year, Big Daddy, Captain Phillips. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Are you kidding me? Easy A, Elysium, Ghostbusters 1, Ghostbusters 2. No! 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 You're messing with perfection on Ghostbusters! Uh, Yeah, frankly, I don't care what you do to Ghostbusters 2. That was an embarrassment. But Ghostbusters, leave it alone. Goosebumps, Grown Ups, Grown Ups 2, Hancock, Inferno, Moneyball, Pixels, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3, The Amazing Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Step Brothers, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, and White House Down. 24 films who apparently have directors without a spine because they're going to allow Sony to change the artistic content. And apparently this has been going on for a while. There are third-party services that have offered cleaner versions of movies for years now. And this, I guess, has been a, a debate that's been going on for a while. But apparently the Family Movie Act of 2015 has allowed the use of a technology that filters certain elements out of movies. (sighs) Come on now. I I, I can't wait for a director to stand up and say, no, you're not going to do that unless they're just too interested in the check. But it, it does kill it for me. And we've all seen movies that originally we saw in the theaters and then suddenly they're 10 minutes shorter when they show up on TV because they cut out any of the little bits of nudity or the cursing. And they also made room for more commercials, commercial breaks. I think this is a a very bad idea. A very bad idea. Am I wrong? Do you guys agree with this? Is this a good idea? clean versions free from certain mature content. Yeah, I'm using air quotes. Ah, maddening. All right, well, let's get back to something equally as maddening, and that's our old friend, Auntie Max, Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters has been, in the last few days, uh, more vocal than ever about her wishes to impeach the president. She has uh, faced off with a constituent and told that constituent in no uncertain terms was she planning on doing anything but working on impeaching the president after she told us she didn't want to impeach the president. She never said that. She's also said there's no real proof that this uh, president was attached to any collusion, just smoke. But a, a day or two ago, Maxine Waters was confronted by a liberal journalist, a liberal journalist from a group called the Young Turks. And if you know who Jenk Uygier is, he's the leader of the Young Turks. He might be Turkish, but I don't think he's really young anymore. I don't think he should be allowed to use that term. It's kind of like, kind of like when the rappers are Lil' something and then they're all grown up and now they should be something else. Like Lil' Wayne is just Wayne now, right? No, I guess not. But uh, the Young Turks, I digress. The Young Turks sent a guy to deal with Maxine Waters. And this journalist, a liberal journalist, approached Maxine Waters to talk to her about our relationship with Russia, Trump's relationship with Russia, and why she was so upset about Trump's relationship with Russia when President Obama had a similar setup. Here's how it went down.
2: You say Russia's not our friend. Was Obama mistaken to forge military cooperation with Russia in Syria and to f- try to get a start? treaty? You and I have a different agenda, young man. I'm out, to, I'm out to impeach this president. Get that straight. I'm out to impeach the president. I'm not going to be diverted by people who are Obama haters. Do you think-
3: And at that point, as she said, I'm not going to be diverted by people who are Obama haters, she pushed the microphone aside. Some people are saying she slapped the microphone aside. She didn't. She had her hand resting against his hand. Her, the outer side of her wrist was resting against his wrist where the microphone was held, and she just really just kind of pushed him aside. But here's, here's the interesting thing. Maxine Waters just flat-out reveals she has an agenda. Well, you were hired to go to D.C. and do your job as a legislator. Instead, you have chosen to repurpose yourself and give yourself a new job mission, and that is to impeach the president. Not my words, her words.
2: I have a different agenda, young man. I'm out to, I'm out to impeach this president. Get that straight. I'm out to impeach the president. I'm not going to be diverted by people who are Obama haters. Think-
3: and that's when she pushed his hand and took off. I'm not going to be diverted. I'm out to impeach the president. Just how is this different from any Republican who tried to slow down Barack Obama? I'll tell you how. The Republicans won't drive forward, which they should. I think we're starting to see Donald Trump catch on. Donald Trump, in the face of some of the questioning, in the face of some of the concerns and the hearings, just keeps quietly walking forward just as Bill Clinton did in the midst of the Monica Lewinsky scandal. And that's what I think he needs to do. If we're going to get health care reform, which we're now hearing might come up this summer, and then we're going to get tax reform, which we're now hearing is looking more likely for the fall from one of my sources. Then it's just about letting these people, letting Maxine Waters go prattling on And move forward. Just keep going. And speaking of keep going, I'm going to step aside. When we come back, Charles Barkley, the jumping safe, the the large man who is Charles Barkley, who I think is just hilarious. Charles Barkley showed up at the NHL playoffs, the Stanley Cup. And uh, he had some very interesting things to say. We'll cover that next on Pure
0: Opelka.
2: Part of the next generation of talk radio on the blaze radio network.
3: One of the things I love about this audience is you guys stay in touch with me and you follow, uh, you follow what I'm talking about. So many of you have written saying, you know, we tried relief Factor. Thank you. We checked out relief factor. We, we got the three week quick start pack for 1995. We went to relieffactor.com and now, and I love hearing the stories from you. So keep sending them you're seeing results. Most people see results seven to 10 days. I saw it on day eight. I'm now into my 14th week taking relief factor, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's helped me greatly and it should help you. Give them a call 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384, or go to the website, relieffactor.com. Find out what we're talking about. All natural anti-inflammatory. It's changed me. It's it's given me a A new lease on walking the golf course and working in the garden. Relief factor. 800-500-8384. Wrapping up today's show, I also love this audience because you're interactive. Uh, Stephen Phillips wrote and said, you know, I support the ability to have either version of those films. It makes it safe to view for family viewing. And that's why we have this exchange. Because this is not just my opinion. It's all of us having a dialogue. So thank you, Stephen. I appreciate you. I still believe if a director turns it in and it's their creative work, it seems like it's it's wrong to alter it just to sell it. That was the if you didn't want that director, you shouldn't have hired him. But I, I see your point, Stephen. I'm not a dad, so you know, maybe I don't see things in the same way you do. Uh microaggressor wrote I tuned in a bit late. Did you get a mic bomb from the Doc Thompson Thompson show? Yes. Uh, Cal and Doc apparently had nothing to do this afternoon, and they wandered in, and they decided to come on over and have a little uh, FaceTime, a little mic time. And you know what? I encourage them to do it because I will do it to them when they least expect it, Thursday, Friday. I will do it to them Thursday, Friday. So uh, look out, Doc Thompson. I mentioned that Charles Barkley is getting a, a lot of love. Charles Barkley was kind of trending uh, because he stopped by the, uh, the San- Stanley Cup game the other night and uh, managed to pop in. He had a couple of different appearances. This is the one line that seems to have caused people some concern about uh, what Charles Barkley said about the NHL.
9: I'm just glad to be here because the NBA playoffs have not been great, but the Stanley Cup playoffs have been amazing.
3: The NHL playoffs are better than the NBA playoffs. Barkley says the, the NBA playoffs have not been that great, but the NHL playoffs are amazing. He also ramboed a press conference that Wayne Gretzky was having. They just kind of jumped on stage and threw in his question. Wayne, I just always want
9: to, who's your favorite black athlete of all time? <laughs> Grant Fuhrer.
3: I don't know if you can hear that. Barkley from offstage has a microphone and says, oh, Wayne, I just want to know who's your favorite black athlete of all time? And I'm uh, missing not a beat, Gretzky says, Grant Fuhrer, and was one of the black athletes in the NHL. There aren't a whole lot of black players in the NHL, but Grant Fuhrer was one of them. He was spectacular. He played with Gretzky. Um, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, we are addressing something that's pretty serious, and it happens in the first half hour on this show. Uh, we talk to Dr. Jorge on uh, every Wednesday. He joins us for a, um, a Wellness Wednesday tip. And Dr. Jorge loves to talk about getting ourselves in better shape and being healthier. And this is Men's Health Month. So we focus on, obviously, things like prostate cancer. And I know that we're going to talk about skin cancer. Because as men, we seem to be outside a little bit more than women. Not not a whole lot more, but a little bit more. And men don't normally take care of their skin the way women do. So skin cancer is a big deal. We're going to have a chat with Dr. Jorge about skin cancer and what we should do to be smart cuz they're actually making sunscreens that don't don't look like white war paint you know it, it's something that'll blend in and you shouldn't ever be afraid to use it but he's going to talk about this new this new disease that's out there that's kind of mimicking mumps that's spooky but he'll explain it and clarify it for us and I'm also going to give him a hard t- time cuz he do he's doing this public weight loss thing i'm not getting roped into it But I am going to give him a hard time. So I want you to be here tomorrow. Start of the show as early as possible. And uh, we'll have some fun. We'll cover the news. And uh, I didn't get to the story about the school that won't let the kids' parents show up and watch them compete. I have some more details to fill in. Hopefully I'll have it tomorrow and I'll share it with you. Testudo, my friends. Testudo.
0: Opelka
2: with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.